session would not let me represent any of the natives. I find it very interesting uh, how, how the conflict of interest statute applied, uh, statutes apply to Republicans. They never quite seem to apply to Democrats. Well, Eddie Weinberg got out of it. That's right. Eddie, <laughs> Eddie got out of the business and immediately was representing him before us right at the time. But he had been the one who denied me the right to even, uh, even have a, a token payment to pay my expenses of representing him here. It's, it's always sort of galled me, but in any event, the, the, the impact of uh, the, the, you know, the, the legal background I had as far as the, the potential of, uh, of uh, legal difficulties for the new state uh, coming from uh, really long litigation of land claims, I think just drove me to, to, to try, try to bring about the, the total uh, legislative solution. The, the state legislatures said no. I think, I think, as a matter of fact, they had a resolution they sent us backing the Miller position. Right. Uh, so it, it was not, it was not, I don't think anyone saw it as a surprise. We, we did see it a little bit of a surprise in terms of his taking on Hickel. Remember, he wasn't just taking on me, he was taking on Hickel. And, and uh, my memory of that hearing was that uh, Gravel just sort of relished the, the, the Miller testimony and, and sort of led him on and egged him on and, uh, so that he could create that schism within the Republican ranks because he did not want to go the direction Hickel and I wanted to go. Well, I was going to ask you about that because obviously um, in, in the fall of 1969, you were going to have your first election the next year to defend your seat, and obviously your core base of support at that point was sort of the downtown uh, business community, as opposed to Gravel certainly had the natives in his pocket at that point. Did, did, did you view that as, in terms of Miller and Gravel trying to incite Miller, did you, did you view that as a, as a serious uh, potential problem for the election, or how, how did the electoral politics play into this? I, I got to tell you that at the time we had such a sense of mission, I don't think that uh, it really was a consideration. Uh, be, being an appointed senator with, uh, was just such a, uh, uh, a really an opening uh, for me that uh, we really didn't even start the campaign of 70 until fairly late into the 70s. The 70s. And Wendell Cave was a friend I've known in practicing law. But we had uh, just a, a you know, closed mind on this. I've been at it too long, as you know. There's a long history of wanting to bring about the settlement of these claims. And we had a poll taken, as a matter of fact, as I recall, that showed some, I don't know, 67, 70 percent of people. What push of 80, actually? Uh, but I'm just saying, why? About 80 here yeah. in Anchorage. Yeah. Yeah. They were just totally opposed uh, to the concepts we're pursuing and back the Miller position. So, and, and that, uh, uh, that's where we one time coined that statement. I think Marco Pignalberry will remember that. It was just the hell of politics, let's do what's right for Alaska. That was the slogan for that year, the campaign in, in 1970. Right, with the cufflinks, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> what the cufflinks. Those are the right. seventy cufflinks. Right. right. Well, and, and 
interesting thing. We learned a lot about politics in that election because of that. Because I'm, I'm convinced Alaska is one place where you don't have to agree with people as long as they think you, you know what you're doing and, and believe in what you're doing. They will not oppose you even though they don't agree with you. Very interesting thing. We, I was very surprised actually at the, at the support that I got in 70 in view of the, the fact that there was no question that going back in 71 I would pursue the, the same concepts. It was the key issue in the 70 campaign. And, and I think you can find from the press reports that uh, Moe Wendell sort of uh, 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 rode the fence a lot uh, between Gravel and Miller on one side and the Native people on the other. He thought that Native uh, group was his base, which it had been until that time. Well, now, uh, back to the chronology, and uh, after these first meetings that don't get very far in November of 69, uh, you and Gravel actually uh, do at least try and mend your fences and actually come up with a joint proposal at one point. Well, we came close to a joint proposal. I don't think it was ever finally signed off, but we came pretty close to having a, a joint proposal. Uh, and. Uh, uh, John Katz, uh, you've talked to Katz. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Katz was with me at the time and was my negotiator. Doug uh, Jones was his. And I think that Katz was the better negotiator. Katz showed at the time his real talent for resolving issues and pursuing them. And uh, uh, said we did come across a newsletter. I, I don't know if you've seen the newsletter we put out answering basic questions. Yes, right. At least you got that? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, that was a basic work of, uh, of uh, uh, Katz. Of course, there were my answers, but he, he worked up the, the formats. And I think that uh, that that was as close as we came to being in agreement. Right. Now, whose idea was it to try and get together? Do you remember? Was that basically you going to Mike or Mike going to you? Or you guys? It was Jackson. Jackson said, you guys, if you want to get this worked out, you've got to stop this bickering. And we're not going to have any more hearings until the two of you get together. And and Gordon uh, uh, pushed him on that thing. Yeah, but the trouble is, is that uh, you know here here we got the Hickel and Stevens uh, on one side and Gravel on the other. And and but uh, you know Jackson didn't want to make it a partisan thing at all. He ended up by being uh, more supportive of my position. And and he and I had a lot of private meetings at the time. Uh, some with and some without uh, Van Us. And it, uh, uh, the, the, the impact of that uh, uh, led on into the Anilka battle, as you know. Right. Right. Well, now, the reason that, that that approach didn't ultimately go was apparently all the natives came to town and late December, a couple weeks before Christmas of 69, and this deal was unveiled to them. I know Edwin Hobson was there and was quite upset that the one component, you had given a ground on the revenue sharing, that was your major concession in that in the package, but there was basically no real land grant in it, and uh, the natives... Well, I don't think that was ever settled. Well, the, no, the natives walked out because because, well, at least they walked away from... I mean, the, the thing we gave Jackson indicated we still had some issues that were not resolved. 
is my memory. The, the natives certainly thought that there was no land in, in the deal that you and Mike, they perceived that you and Mike were basically trying to, to get them to accept. Well, I, um, Jones gave Gravel a memo, and, and that memo, uh, Katz uh, uh, critiqued it and, and, and came up and showed me that that was not, uh, we had not totally agreed on some of the positions that Doug had set, had set forth to Gravel. And I think I conveyed that to Jackson, and, and that's how we wound, it, wound up that year, that we just wound up that year with, a, with an attempt to get an agreement, but, and we came as close as we ever did to having a joint position. By the time we came down to uh, going into, into 1970 and, and into the meetings then that had started, were starting, with, uh, with Wright coming back for a meeting uh, with me, and then we're, we had some meetings with Patterson, that he, he worked with Patterson, and we're, we're, we were going around both uh, Gravel and Hickel by that time. Well, you that's know. actually 71, though, because... Well, but it started in 70. Right, we're on late 70. Late 70, not, not early it, 70. No, we... I don't know. It was a long time ago. <laughs> right. But my memory is we wound up the first year just with an attempt to get an agreement. We went into the next year, whole series of meetings. I don't think uh, I don't think Jackson gave us a lot of time in the committee in '70. Well, you guys reported the bill in '70. That's that's spring. You reported the bill. But I don't think he gave us a lot of time. I mean, it went out in the committee, and they weren't gonna, certainly not going to take up the thing with me up for election. That was the, there was no question about that, right? It was just not going to be done. Uh, well, we spent a lot of time, I spent a lot of time uh, uh, working with uh, uh, Wright and with the natives and uh, uh, the Miller thing was just a closed door. I, I don't have much memory of, of uh, doing much in the committee in 70 other than marking up that bill and getting it the hell out of the committee. Well, I was going to ask you about that markup because obviously there are like 15, 17 members of the committee, and uh, who who basically cared? I mean, was it was it basically you and Gravel and Allard and, and Scoop, or were there was Clinton Anderson and, and Fannin and these people actually interested, or did they view it as more of a parochial issue that didn't concern them? Well, minority rights in those days were coming in to mean Indian rights, and there was a lot of Indian stuff before the committee. But uh, in terms of motivation, uh, Adfield was motivated, and Bellman, uh, they had uh, Indian uh, back, uh, background on their committee, and, I would, and, and uh, so did uh, Bible, uh, and uh, Metcalf to some extent. Not, was it Metcalf? Yeah, Metcalf was still there. Yeah, Metcalf. Jackson, of course, sat at the, at the subcommittee. Uh, Clint Anderson I knew, but, uh, uh, you know, he was just sort of uh, passing through it then. I don't think he had that much impact on, on the committee, really. Uh, but uh, Alec uh, was a driving force on trying to help me uh, and the administration accomplish one of the administration's uh, it was by that time on, on the president's program. The presidents in those days had a definite programs, and this is our they set the goals, 
Eisenhower had done that, Nixon had done that, uh, and this was one of the president's program items. So I think it got out of committee primarily to say that they had acted on some of the requests that had come from the, from the administration more than anything else. Well, now, one of the things that you were not successful on in the, in the committee markup uh, is that uh, the, the bill that the committee reported to the floor in 70 that was eventually passed by the Senate in 70 uh, implemented the settlement with just two statewide corporations, which is the land use plan, I'm sorry, the field committee. It Jackson was the field committee. It was, it was what's his name? Joe, Joe, uh, uh, what's his name? Joe, Joe, Fitzgerald. Uh, Fitzgerald. Right. And, and basically he was dominating the scene then. And I was going to ask, did, did you try and explain to Scoop why just statewide corporations were a bad idea and he wasn't buying, or was it just not raised at that point? Or, or uh, I know that I've seen some early drafts of the committee markup when regional corporations were in, and then they came out before the committee reported the bill. I think, I think at the time that, uh, uh, that Gravel was trying to tell that the, the Native groups that they were going to have stronger uh, position in the state if they had uh, uh, management, statewide management, uh, rather than regional management. And uh, he never quite saw the problem of, of, uh, of some sort of a regional equity in terms of the population base, and he didn't see the advantage of, uh, of the revenue sharing of 7i concept. I, I think that was my idea. But uh, uh, again, I have a memory of a memo from, from Van Ness to, to uh, Scoop dealing with the question of the, of the uh, uh, corporate structure, and, and they ought to have that. Okay. Well, uh, the major... But I, the reason we came out, what we did was, that was the Jackson decision based upon sort of an arbitration of the position that Gravel was articulating, the one I was still articulating at the time, I believe, village corporate structure, and he was uh, articulating uh, statewide two corporations. I think that's where it came out. It's one of the things he won, I think, in that version of the bill. Okay, well, the, the major event of, of the, the floor action on that bill in 1970, as opposed to 71, was that there really were not a bunch of crippling amendments. And I had been through the press clips, and it looked like there was a lot of anxiety that there might be amendments from the Republican side on the floor to get rid of revenue sharing or to reduce. Did we kick that over the House that year? Yeah, in 70 did. Yeah, I'd forgotten that, yeah. frankly. Yeah. Remember in Harris? The, Fred Harris and Ted Kennedy had a had a 40 million acre amendment that, that sort of got creamed on the floor, and yeah. and, uh, and that was really and you got up on the floor and, and Jackson as well and Alec too, and said, look, you know, if this is a package and if if you guys take the the 40 million amendment, that's going to set off the other side. I guess what was his name, Senator from Delaware, was John Williams. Yeah. But Williams and Allen and all these other people, uh, you know, they've they've given up a lot to get what it is we have now. And if you sort of enlarge the package, you're going to upset yeah. the balance. Was yeah, was there a lot of? Uh, I mean, did you have to do a lot of work to keep those guys under control, or was I got to tell you, you run into a blank spot in my my mind because I did, I really had forgotten that that bill passed in '70. 
and I, you know, as you, as you tickle my memory, I do recall the debates on the floor with Harris and with Kennedy, and I've just not uh, gone back over that at all. Uh, the, the bill uh, was, I, I really think we viewed that as trying to get the House to address the issue and get it over there. Uh, I don't have any memory of thinking we'd get that passed that year with the divisions that were there with the state and within the Senate. Uh, but sort of just, as I said, do something to react in the Senate to the President's uh, program. And it was, it was uh, taken up for that reason. But the, the motivation for uh, getting it to, to the House was the same as it was later, to get it to conference. We were going to write the bill in conference, as you know. Right. Well, before we get to the House, the one thing that did happen um, was that while you were marking that bill up in April of 70, uh, along comes um, George Hart, who was the district court judge there in the District of Columbia, and in the Stevens Village case, conjoins the department from, from issuing the TAPS right-of-way permit across Stevens Village lands. Now, up until that point, everything that I have seen sort of indicated to me that everybody, including the AFN and the natives, assumed, and this isn't the story they give you today, of course, assumed that native claims was going down one path and the TAPS authorization was going down the other path, and that they were not they were not linked either politically or, or legally. And certainly uh, that uh, injunction at least the perception that they might be linked, it seems to me that that's when that, when that happened. And, and so I guess my question is, uh, first, were you surprised when, when that injunction was issued? Because I find it to be wrong in the law, ironically. <laughs> you shouldn't have issued the injunction. And do you think that that really had an effect on how Congress viewed settling native claims. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't wrong if you look at it from the point of view of the old Surface Use Act. I mean, they, they, had, they, they had a right to have that determined whether they were going to be disturbed in their use and possession of the lands that they'd occupied. So I think if, if, uh, it was not a surprise to me. As a matter of fact, we viewed it, uh, uh, and I have a memory there again of a conversation with Jackson over in his, uh, in his office, which is uh, the one that, uh, the one that uh, no, he has now, I think, the uh, capital office about the impact of that, and, and uh, he he indicated just what you said, that it had no legal basis. I said, you know, if, if that use of oxygen statute means anything, it means that they're entitled to injunction until they can have a hearing as to what lands are going to, they're going to be disturbed in terms of their current use, and what is use. That, that was still a nebulous thing. A lot of people woke up to what the land claims meant as a result of that uh, Stevens Village. Many people thought it was somehow I was connected with that. You know, it's a different spelling. You know, <laughs> that, 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 uh, and now, uh, it, it, in some ways it is, in some ways it isn't. It, they report it both ways. Right, you know, right. Stevens Village is a PH in some instances, a V in others. I've only seen a V, actually, yeah. in, in the, certainly in the, in the last historical year. thing was PH, I think. But anyway, they've got uh, 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 a they had, I think, a right to use the land without being disturbed, uh, and it would take a congressional action to get rid of that right. Oh, I agree with that. I, I think that, that 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 solidified the reason for 
uh, getting a legislative solution if we were to have any kind of uh, potential future for the new state. Right. Well, the, the only reason I say it was wrong decided is that the actual injunction went off on an obscure uh, Indian tribe right-of-way statute that everybody I've talked to, including the yeah. lawyers subsequently involved, uh, you know, Reed Chambers and everybody says, yeah, that statute didn't have anything to do with, with uh, this particular case, but it certainly made the point about the relationship between Aboriginal title and, and the right-of-way in a way that, that seemed to be politically helpful. But Well, it, you know, the, the discussion shows why you probably ought to be looking at the files rather than talking to me. I, I have a different kind of mind. I really, once I finish something, you know, that, that's, that's the last case. I'm working on the next case. I really don't focus on uh, what went on or how we, you know, got this result or that result. We have tried to develop a concept of dealing with the pending issues and the issues we see coming down the pike and putting away the files, letting archivists and other people figure whether we're right or wrong. So if you take your time to live in the past, I don't think you can do much for the future. And as a consequence, uh, I, I really do close these files. And each Congress, you know, we have a, a renewal process of being able to literally get rid of the files of the past uh, Congress and to start again. And I, I, I definitely have the memory that that's what we did on this one. When we went back in 71, we knew we had to start it all over again. And we had, I had some, that's when we really put the heat on the, the White House uh, uh, to, to have the, uh, the a, 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 some kind of a, of a basic approach to take it beyond uh, being just being a line on the President's program to having be something that the White House would be active in. And I think they did get active in, in, in uh, 71. We finally, we had a series of meetings down there. And I'm sort of anticipating questions because I'm going to finish this up in about five minutes. Okay. We'll get together again if, if you want to. But the, 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 to me, the turning point was uh, the impact of a fellow named Roger Ernst, who had been Assistant Secretary during the uh, Eisenhower days and had gone to the American Association of Indian Affairs, had come up uh, with uh, Laverne Madigan and Dr. Forbes into Alaska in 61, had, had gone through the whole thing with, with Howard Rock, and had uh, they helped form, as you know, the, the Tundra Times. But, but then uh, Ernst comes back in the scene as, as being still interested in Indian Affairs from Arizona and, and helped me with Patterson and with those guys, uh, convince them that they had to put this into an active mode. The difference between 70 and 71 was it was a presidential item in 70, but they didn't do anything with it. It's sort of like today, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the president signed the Brady Bill, but everybody knows that the, no one in administration was up lobbying for the Brady Bill. Now, that, that's uh, the in this instance, Nixon would have happily signed the 70 bill. He assisted in getting the 71 bill because of things like the Stevens Village injunction. And uh, the, the realization was still coming out about the test wells. I have another memory of there of, of having a, a step-off well that came in that showed that the Prude Hole was really a, a bonanza beyond compare. And we had the, you know, the, the the sale in, when was that, 68? And then there was another thing, 69. But the, the, the snowball was moving about the importance of, uh, 
then we also have uh, uh, some some rumblings of what was going to happen in 73 as far as embargoes. I mean, the, the, the OPEC structure was starting to form. Uh, there were whole things, a lot of uh, pieces to this spider web uh, was developing by 71. Right, well, let me, uh, one of the things that, uh, that uh, John Ehrlichman told me was that he was basically the guy, not Nixon, that, that made the decision uh, on 40 million acres and a billion dollars. So Nixon later ratified it. He later went to Nixon and said, here's what I told Morgan. That's all that bullshit. Uh, Patterson and Wright and I met with Nixon. Well, that was, you guys met with Nixon after the decision was made. It may be. Yeah. And, and, and well, Ehrlichman told me that he recalls that you phoned him and basically said that one of the things they were concerned about, obviously, was they, they wanted to, to, you were the only Democratic state officeholder left, I mean, Republican state officeholder, everybody else was Democrats, and that, and that you had phoned Ehrlichman at some point prior to that decision and told him that, well, 40 million acres is okay. I mean, that's a, a reasonable thing to do, and I was just wondering if you had any recollection. I, that was a long time Ehrlichman ago. and Haldeman, you'd been at UCLA when I was there. Did he tell you that? I mean, no. we, I was a little ahead of him, but they, I... We had sort of a UCLA alum uh, uh, recognition thing in sometime in '70, but uh, and I'd had a hell of a run-in with uh, those guys uh, about uh, uh, this one-way street that they had. If everybody had to genuflect every time someone mentioned the president, uh, I do recall we had a conversation. I also recall a conversation with Nixon. You know, I, my relationship with Nixon went down, went back beyond uh, uh, that of uh, Ehrlichman. It, uh, Nixon was uh, a new senator in uh, in 1950 uh, when I was still back in Washington working on water rights for uh, uh, for the state of California, and I went up to brief him on uh, some of the issues that were involved in. Uh, the uh, water issues in a California-Arizona dispute, and I remember he, he asked me to give him some materials on a, like a Thursday, which I did a whole series of Supreme Court cases and go back and see him on Monday. He was the quickest study I ever saw. He was an expert by Monday or Tuesday, and we had a long discussion, and he uh, reminded me, about, still reminds me of that from time to time. I, I remember I had talked to Nixon. I don't usually call presidents, but I, I, I had talked to Nixon and told him that we, we just, you know, if we were going to get this settled, it had to become an activist matter. Having been with Eisenhower, who he was vice president at the time, and he knew what we had done then. We, we turned loose, uh, you know, interior work with uh, labor on a labor issue, as well as agriculture and everybody. And the only ones that didn't do it were part of that was the Department of Defense. But all the, uh, the O-line agencies would work together on the president's program. If you had an ag you were agriculture and you were commerce and I was interior, I had to spend part of my week working with you on the things, and you had to spend part of the work. We didn't have great lobbying groups at the time. Hell, we had in the legislative council's office me and three others, uh, and uh, we were literally doing a lot of writing legislation and a lot of things. But we also had to work on the hill, so we had a cadre of people pulled out of the other agencies, worked together, and I told them. This is not going to work as just being a line on that board. You've got to get people involved. Well, yeah, my, uh, I, I, as I think about it, I'm not sure I called Ehrlichman or Ehrlichman called me and, uh, and then I returned the call as a result of the conversation 
uh, with Nixon. I'm not even sure it will show up in the, their records. I don't, I've never looked in their records. I don't know whether. But I have a distinct memory of talking to Nixon and then a memory of talking to Ehrlichman. But Ehrlichman uh, is, uh, you know, he really was not an activist in this thing from my point of view. The guy we were really working on it was Patterson. And there was one other young lawyer uh, was in the Nixon. There was a woman named Bobby Kilberg. Bobby was, yeah, I do remember Bobby, but there was a, and she, she was involved in this with, with Patterson. But there's a, there's a lawyer working in, under the, the counsel to the president's uh, lineup. And, and I met with them on several occasions. Uh, but, and there's no question about it that uh, they had to get the message that nothing was going to go down and be recognized as being really a, a significant historical achievement unless it dealt with land the way we were talking about, confirming the title to land that they had actually had a basic right to. So many Indian settlements in the past have been, yeah, you're entitled to some land, oh, by the way, we move you from here to that state, right? And, and a lot of the, the native tribes, the Indian tribes, had been moved around as, as someone in Washington decided this would be a nice place for those guys to live and, and be sort of, you know, uh, museum pieces. But they, in, this was historic in the sense that this settlement was tied to places where the people actually lived and had their livelihood. And if it was going to be successful, it had to be. A, the, the, the real uh, uh, change came, as I recall, when we put it back to the point of a basic court uh, township and then increased it by population and then took the balance of that and put it into a regional corporation structure. Again, divided on the the message to Nixon personally was there has to be a a real presidential involvement, White House involvement beyond just making it a uh, uh, a presidential program item. In that uh, that I thought that they they had he he had to have his staff personally involved in helping us resolve the issues. Uh, that, that had a real impact, as you know, in, on my side of the aisle, in, in eliminating the, the, the naysayers and those that were just sort of saying, well, all right, we'll help you for this election type of thing. We wanted the bill passed. Uh, clearly, by 71, we had to get it passed, I thought, because it was, uh, well, it was still, still holding up uh, the whole process. Uh, remember, I, I was opposed to... Uh, land freezes and Gravel, wasn't there in one of those memos a uh, whole thing that Gravel wanted to continue the... Right, he had the, the five-year planning Yeah, and that was all Doug Jones stuff. Yeah, it was, and I wanted to get rid of all that stuff because we, we, you have, an interesting thing I'll just take in one of the rabbit trail. Right after I came back in 61, I had a, I had a sort of a debate with Roscoe Bell before the uh, Chamber of Commerce. Did I tell you about that? No, I've seen uh, the Anchorage Time stuff on that. Yeah, well, it was the whole, I've not seen that, but I, but I, I have a memory of it, saying, you're, you've are you got to select these lands. Now, you've got to get them because we saw what's coming, and what's coming will be a, an attempt to prevent us from getting this land because so many people believe that, that we only got it because we had to get around Miller, and now having done that, they're going to find a way to come back to us. Well, as, of course, you know, 
17 D2 was the, was the opening wedge, and that was the price we paid to get the final selection, and the state has paid that price, uh, and so the natives, by the way, on and on, because the land that the feds wanted was taken back, and we got what was left. Right. Well, actually, if, if you would have some more, I've got about another half an hour. Not yeah, today. Well, do it later. Not today, but if yeah. on this trip, I'd like to talk to you about the conference. I can't. Well, I'm, I'm going back to Washington's uh, uh, Sunday. I go to Fairbanks tomorrow, and I, I don't come back through here at all. I'm back here on a, on about the 14th. Uh, no, I'm actually leaving on the 15th, so yeah. we'll have to. Well, I'm here the 13th, and I'll be here the 14th. I might be able to. I, I can't remember what I do the 14th. What do I do the 14th? You got the schedule? Um.